Welcome to Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On tonight's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Wednesday nights, we break down to the Division I men's action. And while we still have to crown a few regular season conference champions, we also are finally prepared to preview the 2023 NCAA Division I men's tournament. We have the draw. We know the seeds. We know where everyone's headed on Tonight show, we offer our thoughts on what we expect to break down over the course, excuse me, expect to unfold over the course of the next month. We'll take you through all the host seeds we see on Upset Alert. We'll take you through all the first round matches you won't want to miss. We'll talk about all the lineup drama that's emerged over the course of the first few days of lineup submissions, breaking all of that down and so much more so that all of you college tennis fans feel prepared for everything that's going to unfold over the course of the past month. Of course, joining me here to night to offer predictions since I can't and help break down all of the impending action is the man who has helped me steer the ship here all year long. A man you, of course, all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula and bracket challenge predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, at least when they're still alive in the season. Lover of mothers, lover of of. What am, I'm blanking here. The snitch, the professor. Almond Joys. The Almond Joys. There it is. You know what? I was in disbelief even thinking about it. The snitch, the professor, the lean, mean, vegan machine. It's our dearest friend, Chris Halliores. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You ready for NCAA March Madness, May Madness, excuse me, to begin? I am absolutely ready and also ready to dispute the comment that my flames are no longer playing because they are. <laughs> Ooh, is that a little sneak peek? Is that a UTR invite? Uh, there might be something there to be said. Okay, I like that. It's a little sneak peek. There is breaking news, May 3rd, 9.04 p.m. You can put a little pin in that. Well, Chris, I have something for you. And this is a shout out, of course, to my coach growing up. Shout out to Ed Nagel, University of Michigan, All-American. Spent some time at Pepperdine. He was in the transfer portal before it was the cool thing to do. Let the record show. But uh, he used to always say, he, there's a Red Wings coach by the name of Scotty Bowman. I mean, you might be a hockey fan. And so Scotty Bowman might be familiar to you. And, you know, you know, there's always a quote. He said, I know how to motivate my players. And which is something Scotty Bowman used to always say. He's like, I'm like the genius Scotty Bowman. And so in order to motivate my players here tonight, I just want you to know, Chris, that Jay was exceptional during the NCAA women's preview last night. He was efficient. We blitzed through every region, no wasted time. We had some technical difficulties and yet the show still around the hour, uh, hour mark. And so I'm just saying, Chris, there are some standards for you to meet here on tonight's show. I'm up for the challenge. 
And first and foremost, think we just ditch the Ohio State Michigan talk and move on. That'll help. <laughs> there he is. All right, you're ready. You're in prime <laughs> form. Let's rock and roll with tonight's show. And of course, the reason we're able to do these shows week in, week out is because of the support we get from all of you in College Tennis Station. If any of you do have questions that are tuning in live, please feel free to throw them in. Chris and I will do our best to address them throughout the course of tonight's show. We are so looking forward again to be able to cover the course of the next month. May is the best month on the tennis calendar. You've got the NTAA tournament. You've got Rome, Madrid, French Open, so much good tennis, 30 days to enjoy it all. We'll steer the ship through everything here at Crack Racket. So excited to announce we will be broadcasting the first four rounds of the NTAA tournament. We'll have coverage this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I believe we have 23 of the 32 host sites committed to our coverage. We'll have two separate streams to help break it all down. We'll have more information on all that on our Crack Racket social media over the course of the next few days. But Again, we're locked and loaded. We're ready. It's going to be a very exciting month of May. We'll have it all for you here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, the reason we're able to do these deciding points week in, week out, though, is because of the support we get from our dear sponsors at Turna and LS. And look, everyone in the business is using Turna Grip. There's a reason for that. It's the best. It gets tackier as you sweat. It's durable through all conditions. And now they have an even better version. It's called Turna Tough. It's the latest iteration of the Turna Grip. It still maintains that trademarked, iconic Turna blue color. And it can be yours today. You can find Turna sold wherever you buy your tennis products. We are grateful for the support we get from Turna. And we know once you turn to a Turna Grip, you'll never use anything else. Be sure to try out Turna Tough today. Of course, a shout out as well to our dear friends at LS. Felt that just needed on a night like tonight. I need to be casual. I need to be well rested. I need to be comfortable going into this month of May. You're never going to feel more of those qualities than when you are snugged up in LS gear, whether it's the hoodie, the collared shirt, the t shirt, their immense catalog of clothing. You can have it all available to you by clicking on the link in the uh, description to this podcast. Again, a massive shout out as always to our dear friends at LLS for their continued support. You can support them by getting yourself decked out in some LS gear today. All right. All that said, Chris, again, we got a couple of things to tidy up before we get to our NCAA tournament preview. Couple of Power Five conference tournaments completing over the course of last weekend. Let's start with the Big Ten tournament. And there was a fascinating quote uh, in a piece I read, I think it was a local Columbus newspaper, about the Ohio State Buckeyes and that this Ohio State Buckeyes team is the first Buckeyes team since 2019 to capture a Big Ten conference tournament title. And, you know, Andrew Luchonic was talking about a speech associate head coach Justin Kronagi gave before the match started and said, guys, it's It's not often as Buckeyes you get the opportunity to do something that hasn't been done for a while in this program. And you could tell there was an edge to these Buckeyes from the start. And look, also in that quote, Ty Tucker expressing his fondness for beating Michigan. Anytime you can beat Michigan, particularly a top 10 Michigan team three times in the year, you know the Buckeyes are going to appreciate that. Most impressively is the way they did it. It's a 4-0 victory for the Buckeyes. They were down 6-4 in the deciding tie break at number two doubles. You know, Aaron Schneider had a serve on his racket. James Trotter came up with three of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. One was a backhand. One was a forehand. 
It's the sort of power tennis we've seen from Trotter all year long, who, by the way, gets a straight set victory at five over Gavin Young. He's now 25 and 0 overall on the year. Big 10 tournament MVP. Maybe you're at most valuable player in any lineup right now. I mean, not maybe he's 25 and 0. Now, you could argue Spaziri, who's like 20 and 1, giving that at one might be. Again, it's an artificial element, but here's the thing. Trotter's unequivocally in the conversation. You know, again, the match moves indoors, so they pull the lineup switch and throp out. Cash in, as Robbie Cash has done all season long. He gets a straight set victory over Bickersteth at six. The top four, as it's been all season long between these two teams, was an absolute blast. Do you want me to do my monologue now, or do you want to interject here about the result of the match? Ultimately, Boulay, long first set. He gets it 7-6, 6-4 to Boulay. He breaks Fenty uh, up 5-4 in the second. He clinches 4-0 Buckeyes. You go, and then I'll do what I have to do. I mean, I was hoping that was the monologue, as was everybody I got, well, I got one more addendum. But I'm not on. sure who wants to hear that. Probably the Ohio State fans, but they don't want to hear you. So Therapeutic. Chris, these podcasts started as therapy for me. You know that. And <laughs> that's what they'll always be. And so, please, your thoughts. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, obviously, everything you said about Trotter, true. The thing I found interesting uh, as the weekend went along is, uh, you know, our buddy – uh, Knowles tennis fan is uh, also a a data geek and texted me a couple questions over the weekend. One of which was, "Hey, have you ever done any analysis as to the most important position relative to winning the match?" And I said, "No, I've thought about it." And he said, "Well, if you had to guess, you know, what would you say?" And and I basically gave him my guess uh, in order of the six spots, which were spot on, except I had the first two flipped. Uh, and one of the least important positions, the whole moral of that story is one of the least important positions is five. If you look at like, if you win that match, you're more likely to win the overall dual match for that, for that reason, that reason alone, I want to see Trotter back up at four, uh, which he where, which is where he's submitted by the way, for the NCAAs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I just think that's a much more critical uh, a critical spot in, in the lineup. So, but yeah, I mean, look, the guy hasn't lost a match all year. He's playing five. He's number 31 in the country. How in the world do you even end up coming in at, you know, number 31 and playing number five? That's just, I mean, that obviously one of the reasons that, that Ohio state is where they are this year. And, and we said it, I, you know, I'll let you do your monologue. We said it coming into the week last week. If Michigan loses Yet again, and they not, are now 0-3 against Ohio State on the year. It's They can't be 1A anymore. They have to be – or they can't be 1. They have to be 1A because you can't go 0-3 to a team up there and think that you're actually going to go win three matches at the final site. Look, it was tough to lose that match 4-0, to have set points in the doubles. Like, you win that doubles, there's an argument for Michigan winning the match because quickly – Styler versus Kingsley is the best matchup in college tennis. And they've played like eight times now. I've been fortunate. I think I've watched like six of them. I missed the whatever the 17-15 breaker that happened earlier this season in Ann Arbor. But I think I've seen seven of the other eight or whatever it is. The tennis between those two is just laugh out loud excellent. And watching what Styler did to Ozan Barris of Michigan State, who's a U.S. Open Junior doubles champion and a going to be in the NCAA tournament. He beat him 0-1. Oh, 0-1. I said this to others. I'll say it on the show. It was Shelton-esque. 
I've only seen Ben do that to someone else in recent memory. Like I've seen really good number one players on the year. I've never seen it where you're just playing a different sport. Styler was playing a different sport. And I'm not going to say what player. uh, There was a player who came up to me after the match and was like, dude, what happened with Styler? I just got like 25 texts about this. And I was like, you're not going to believe it. Like I thought it was just like your jaw was on the floor. It was just Someone start a GoFundMe to make him play pro tennis because Kingsley's serving for the match. Styler comes back. He wins the breaker. He forces a third. Maloney forces a third against Tracy. And again, credit to the Buckeyes. They won the match without Kingsley and Tracy. It shows how deep this group is this season. Fenty and Boulay was a really good battle. You know, Fenty's 2-1 now against Boulay this season. And you felt like Michigan, you know, again, Nino's up on Bernard. That was a really good match at four. You can't lose five and six in straights and expect to win three matches in a row in Fort Worth, like uh, in Orlando. Excuse me. You're absolutely right. And you're going to have, again, whether it's Cal or USC, you look at the pathway again, they're going to need results from five and six sooner than Orlando. It was a step forward in doubles. Michigan is playing the best doubles of their season entering the NCAA tournament. And yes, they had match points. They lose that doubles point. There's no half victories when you play Ohio State if you're on Michigan. Just that rivalry, there are no half victories. Doubles is getting better. Uh, you know, as much as five and six may have dropped off, doubles is getting a lot better. And they're still really dangerous. Like, it's a really yeah, well, dangerous— we'll, Again, we'll, I like— we'll, We'll save it for the for the NCAA no, talk, but I think that's a promising is, point. That's a promising maybe, point. Yes, and maybe this is where you can see my bias has been removed. I like I come off of this four zero loss, maybe more encouraged than any of the other results earlier in the season, and maybe that's the because Ohio State's really good. Like that's the other takeaway. I watched them play, and you're like, oh my god, is that like you're just like how are how is I mean again. Bernard's really good at four. And so you get why Trotter's at five, but then you watch Trotter play and you're like, this power would be number one on 90% of rosters across the country. And like, then you go watch Cannon and you're like, well, he probably shouldn't be ahead of Cannon. You see when Boulay is in form as he was against Fenty and you're like, well, that's breathtaking power. I don't know if Tracy's lost more than five dual matches in his career. So you're not moving him lower than three. And like, and Cash won in straights, and I didn't even say his name. And Anthrop was on the bench. Like, it's a really good Buckeye team. They 4-1 Illinois, who I'm telling you, Chris, we'll get to it in the NCAA tournament preview. They're playing well. Nebraska-Illinois NCAA elimination match. couple third sets to decide that. That was a thriller. Uh, final Big Ten thoughts. Northwestern almost beat Michigan in the semis. Like, that was a really good match. Final Big Ten thoughts can go to you. Yeah. Great, I, great recruiting day for Michigan State. We saw Holman and Little Sheldon commit. Final thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I mean, outside of this match, obviously, some of the takeaways from that, that tournament were, yeah, M- Michigan got pushed in that Northwestern match. That was really tight for, for quite a while there. And then you had obviously the uh, the Nebraska Illinois match that was you know kind of a uh, unfortunately didn't go Nebraska's way but that was a uh, a must win to keep tournament hopes you know a win and you're in really for Nebraska had they won they were in the tournament lose and you're not and they lost they lost the match after taking the doubles point 
making it interesting, but a really slow start in singles. But that was that was good. Uh, and yeah, obviously, I mean, we look, Michigan State's got some bright spots. Um, it's just, a you know, Harry's building things there and it's going to it's a, a good future for them. That was a very rough day for Ozan against uh, Styler for sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of what we expected to see. We got the, you know, the four teams we expected to see coming through and and the final we thought we'd get. No Ozalans for Illinois, senior versus freshman at five for Nebraska. They had their shot. Like, there's no doubt about it. That match was really good. And again, it was a fun Big Ten tournament. Uh, shout out to Indiana for being the gracious host that they were. Of course, I've said before, with USC and UCLA coming over to the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten should get dominion of the Ojai moving forward for conference tournaments. I'm telling every coach would be like, in outdoor matches, we'll pay. Like, we need them. We're lock it in. Uh, but let's move to the Ojai next site, of course, of the Pac-12 tournament. And look, there's no denying it. 10th seeded USC is going to be everyone's sleeper in the college tennis ranks bracket challenge. And USC has now won seven consecutive matches as they captured the Pac-12 tournament title. Now, they didn't necessarily cruise. And again, given how young this group in particular is competing together, seven in a row, I think they've had TN for all seven, maybe six of the seven, whatever it is. 4-2 over Utah, they got pushed. 4-2 over Stanford, they got pushed. In those two matches, the big thing I take away, Chris, with the addition of Lerner Tien at two, Peter Mock down to three, Wojtek Merrick down to four, they go 4-0 in those two matches. And those are the two guys who, when they're playing two and three, you feel good, not great. When they're playing feeling three and four, you feel really good about each of those guys in those positions. You know, again, USC, I think, dropped the doubles to Utah in that match. They find four singles victories there. Destanich has played a lot better tennis of late. Where are you with the Trojans? Yeah, I, my the story hasn't changed. Uh, once they added Lerner, I think their singles is unbelievable, unbelievably deadly. But the entire hopes of a national title to me, I, they're not they're not Florida good. From, you know, from the year that Florida said, oh, we don't care if we win doubles or not. We're winning four singles against you anyway. They're or like not, Wake Forest. Or Wake Forest of 2018. Yeah. yeah. 19, they're not, yeah. or 19, yeah. 19, they're not that quite that level. And obviously, Lerner Tien's got still a little to prove. He's got six or seven matches in him so far. In, in Yeah, not a ton of wins, by the way. A lot of unfinished matches, and he's been up in most of them. But that's a fair point. Carry on. Yeah, but, but. To me, the biggest thing that's going to make them are, are they a, you know, a tier one or tier? I don't, I'm not putting them below one A at this point, but are they one or or in our one A group? The answer to me hinges on doubles. And to date, it's not good. Even with the addition of Lerner Tien, it's still not good. So they're still not tier one. And the point I was going to make, I said we would save uh, and we'll talk about it. I'm sure more when we get into the projections of the possible super regional, as you mentioned, nobody wanted to see USC coming now that they've got Lerner Tien. That is a most likely uh, trip. Should both seeds hold to Ann Arbor to play Michigan? I actually think for compared to a lot of teams, it's 
it's not a horrible. Yeah, you don't want to see USC, but it's not horrible given that Michigan should hold the advantage in doubles there. Uh, and there's that's that's not a guarantee, but it's a spot that the way Michigan's coming on and that we've yet to see USC really get going in doubles. I think you you say more often than not, Michigan takes that doubles point. Now, can they lose four singles matches to the Trojans? Absolutely. But uh, and that's my take for USC is they're as deadly as anybody in singles now. I just don't think when I want to when I compare singles lineups, like how stacked a tech, a Texas or a TCU is, especially a TCU, I go, I will take that TCU doubles pairings over the USC doubles point any day of the week right now. Here's the thing. If USC gets the doubles point, one of Destanich and Tien is winning. One of Mock and Merrick is winning. One of Fry, Colby, Wistrade, whoever they play, one of those three is winning at five and six. And look, again, they can find four as well, but you're absolutely right. How good this team gets at doubles defines their ceiling in this NCAA tournament. Rapid fire through these other Pac-12 results. Utah 4-3 over Arizona in the semis, 4-1 over Utah uh, UCLA in the quarters. They were the second best team in the Pac-12 this season, Chris. Obviously, we'll talk about them in a second. I mean, they're not the top 16 seed. Obviously, Arizona is, but your thoughts. Yeah, no, no question. They were the second best best team, right? Look, they beat Arizona twice, uh, so they are the second best team in in the Pac-12. Uh, but you know what really hurt them was those very, very early season losses. Uh, you know, coming out kickoff weekend, lose to Gonzaga. Uh, I don't even remember. Was it Texas Tech? Is that the other one? I'm not. That's uh, the other one. Yes. Okay. Uh, those were the the costly losses, if you will, and then they finished. Uh, on a roll. And, and that, and that was one of the more exciting parts of the weekend. If they weren't going to win. And I think we all had picked USC to win that PAC 12 tourney. They made the final, they beat Arizona to give themselves a chance and their entire hosting, you know, hosting capability rested on. And although the order, the matches were played in the other order, the Pepperdine versus San Diego match. Pepperdine win, assuming a Utah loss, which came later in the evening and did eventually happen. A Pepperdine win, Mississippi State hosts. A San Diego win, Utah hosts. It goes to the to Pepperdine 4-0. That seals the deal on Utah hosting, but it doesn't take anything away from the season these guys have had after. Post-kickoff weekend, when all of that, or that happened, they've been one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, uh, they play their way in, and we'll talk about them more as we get to our NCAA tournament draw. You mentioned the pack, uh, excuse me, the Pepperdine San Diego. Two things, and then we're rocking and rolling. Shout out Columbia, Ivy. Uh, excuse me, finish uh, with a couple of Ivy League wins, secure their top sixteen berth. Two top sixteen Ivy League teams. We talked about this in the live show. That's massive for a conference that did not have play in 2021. Dare we can now officially say Ivy League tennis is back. Yeah, and then Pepperdine, who beat San Diego 4-0 after San Diego had gotten them a couple of times earlier this season. That's exa- They did what Michigan could not. To, I'll say it so you don't have to, Chris. Um, that's like the win they were looking for. And again, they are, they're headed to Texas, which I'm sure they're not thrilled about, but it is what it is. You feel like you're going to have to beat Texas at some point, right, if you want to win an NCAA title. Um it was a massive weekend for each of those two non-Power 5 conferences that, again, San Diego and Pepperdine are top 25 programs. And that's a credit to Coach Keckley, Coach Schachterly, um, and obviously what Howie's doing, what 
uh, Andrew Rubes doing at Harvard and Columbia speaks for itself as well. So some non-Power 5 news to finish up all non-2023 NCAA tournament play. With that said, though, Chris Halioris, again, like the genius Scotty Bowman, I know how to motivate my players. We're going to be efficient. We're going to be effective. We're going to be informative. We want to tell all of you what to expect here in the opening weekend of the 2023 NCAA tournament. Chris and I are going to roll our shoulders loose here. Let's get into our 2023 NCAA tournament preview. And like we did for the women, we're going to break down all 16 of the host sites. I have multiple categories, seeds on upset alert, best of the rest. Top seeds, I expect to be on cruise control. And when we get to that category, I actually have an interesting question for you because I think more broadly, one of my themes, and we're not going to address this now, I'm just saying it, I don't have that many seeds on cruise control. I think it's going to be an interesting opening weekend of play. And of course, the intrigue always starts with the host sites on upset alert. Now, Chris, in this exercise, I want you to tell me the question for all of these sites. Do you agree these host teams should be on upset alert? Let's start with the obvious choice. They're the 16th seed. They're the last host site. So it's the easiest place to start. Let's start with number 16, UNC. UNC, again, a solid season. They get to the national indoors. They end up as a top 16 seed, 17 and eight overall, they lose a tight one for two in the ACC quarterfinals to Florida State. Look again, why are they in this category? Well, look who was sent to their region. The team we just spent all this time raving about, a Utah squad that, again, outside of a bad kickoff weekend, 23 and five overall. They just showed their medal, beating Arizona. 4-3 in those semifinals. Now, of course, Utah going to have to get to Old Dominion first, and that was a good win for Old Dominion. Weren't the top seeds in their conference tournament. They win their conference tournament to get in. That's a fun match. You know, North Carolina, heavy favorites against Drake. But I ask you, Chris, should the Tar Heels be on upset alert here? Who you got in this region and why? Yeah, well, they absolutely should. I mean, you got to kind of always fave, give the home team a little bit of an advantage. But I, uh, I, I almost think Utah really could be the the favorite here. It's a, it's going to be a really tough call, and and I, I like Utah's chances a lot. I mean, look, I think there are a few a few guys on this North Carolina team that would would prefer indoors. Uh, than than out and obviously the intent here no guarantee weather pending but the intent here is to be uh outdoors i think outdoors this is this this could get really really interesting uh for north carolina i think a lot of this match is going to hinge on that doubles point and i'm i'm not sure i know which which way i want to lean uh in doubles here so i think that's going to be that's going to be a key point Look, Utah got uh, got Kren back in the in the uh, bottom of the lineup, which I don't think he had played in quite some time. That's a good lift for them. We know what they've done up top with Capalbo and Buslaman and Bastias. They've been really good. I think I think they're going to give them all they can handle uh, at, in Chapel Hill. 
You look for the Tar Heels, they're 33 and 21 overall in uh, 38 and 21, excuse me, an in individual dual uh, match in doubles so far this season. Utah 45 and 22, so not too dissimilar. The big difference being Utah's played three teams all year long. They've had their doubles, they've stuck with it. Obviously, injuries being a big reason why the Tar Heels have not had that sort of continuity. That said, to bet against a Trip Phillips coach team at home in doubles. I think for Utah, the real thing is that they can find four singles matches. And I know how injured Cernok is, but you'd lean Utah at one. Segerman at two is probably the swing match versus Cabalbo. And that one's going to be fascinating. Jensen and, you know, uh, and I'm blanking Princeton transfer here, plays four uh, for oh, polling. Pol- polling. Thank you. Uh, Jansen and polling at three and four have been locks for UNC all year long. You feel like they're going to take four given the records, but that three match, absolutely a swing. Utah has been really good at five and six. They probably have to have both. Give me your pick, Chris Hallioris, before we move on. Uh, I mean, this is a toss up and. Uh, By the way, I have to abstain. Tar Heels, part of our broadcast. I can't make picks. We're broadcasting. I get accused of bias anyways. I know. You're just a I'm soft. I'm a seller. I sold out. I've admitted it. We know. Uh, Look, I'm going to do this. uh, I I really do think this is a complete toss-up. And I I think the edge, if they played this match, you know, 100 times, North Carolina probably wins 55 of them. But just because of the year Utah's had and, and the and the whole story, I'm going to go with the Utes here and uh, mm. and say I think they they are one of the ones that that get through a host site. Chris Hallior starts things out spicy, and I'll say because I know how to motivate my players. You don't just give them negative; you also give them positive reinforcement. Does, does that efficient. mean I get Stevie? I'm I'm the Stevie Y now added to my intro. No, is that a Virginia? Is that a V saber on your chest? And I look. In honor of our defending national champion. Okay, fair. You know what, Chris? New tradition every every year, NCAA tournament preview. You'll remember this. You should wear the shirt of the defending champion. That's the this, that's the privilege I they thought get. It, I thought it was only appropriate that that the, the, that the Who's got, you know, they got it from me tonight. Very, very appropriate, my friend. I appreciate that. Yeah, UNC, I think they have to be in this category. Utah's been that good. That's a really fun region. We'll have it for you on our Crack Rackets broadcast. Another one we'll have for you. Ninth-seeded South Carolina. Last team out of that top eight group, of course. South Carolina started the season so extraordinarily well. And when they beat Ohio State, we did the podcast. They're now an unequivocal Tier 1 team. Well, obviously, four losses for the Gamecocks in conference play. I don't want to say disappointing SEC tournament. They were fine. But, you know, again, Tennessee was the better team down the home stretch. Justifiably leaps them with the head-to-head victory to take that number eight spot. South Carolina is still very good. And Connor Thompson and Toby Samuel have been as good as any top two pairing on any team in uh, as any uh, on any team in the country. That said, I mean, yes, I think they'll get through South Carolina State. The Baylor-Florida State rematch, if you didn't see the Instagram video, go watch it now. Baylor beats them, obviously, uh, during the kickoff weekend. Florida State returns the favor a little bit. Right, they return the favor a little bit later. Am I crazy? Or no? I'm thinking of Arizona State. You're crazy. I'm thinking of Arizona State, yes. Baylor beats Florida State in the kickoff weekend. I mean, look, Florida State is a very talented team. 
they probably feel they have the best player in this region, regardless of Toby Samuel in Antoine Cornut Chovink. And he's one of the players who you might feel justified actually saying that about, or at least it's not a ridiculous proposition. And yet Baylor could absolutely beat them uh, in, in that opening round. And again, this is a Baylor group that has been at the final site each of the last three years. Were they there in 2018 as well? I don't think so. No, probably were. No, they probably were. Here's the thing. They definitely were the last three years. Um, Does South Carolina belong to be in this category, Chris? Your thoughts on the region? I mean, they absolutely belong to be in the category just because they haven't finished overly strong. It's been sort of ho-hum. It's not been horrible, but it's not been good. I mean, they're definitely on upside alert to a quality team. The problem is, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it for that to happen, it probably almost certainly needs to be Florida State, and that's no gimme. Baylor owned the early season win. That match, that match alone is going to be great. You referenced the Florida State Instagram video. No clue why they put that up because they saw the draw and they look like their floor, their jaws dropped and went like, oh, holy crap. Uh, them again. Uh, like it wasn't the it wasn't the oh yeah, we're in, look who we're playing reaction that you want to see from the guys. But and I don't know how many matchups we're going to get. They're going to be similar. Look, I think uh, I'm not looking at the results, but I want to say Finn Bass was probably at one when they played kickoff weekend. Yeah, at I worst, think he did play ACC. He definitely yeah, did. I would say it was at worst. It was two. And now they they put him and we won't see the corrected lineups until they come out. They've, they've listed him at four. Uh, I mean, he's had, which is probably justifiable. He's had some injuries, hasn't played as much down the stretch. Uh and they've moved some other guys up. So I don't know how many matchups we get that are similar to that weekend, but I think that would be a very, very fascinating match. I honestly don't see Baylor just because I don't think, I mean, Teddy at one, it would have to be, I just don't know if he can, he can play with anybody. I just don't know if he's going to beat Toby at South Carolina. I absolutely think ACC could. I think it's more of a match if Florida State gets through. They're definitely on upset alert, but I think it's got to be Florida State for there to be a, a significant upset chance. To beat South Carolina, you got to beat them at four, five, and six. Florida State can absolutely do that. And they've been very good at those positions all season long. I think 19 and five, 18 and five, and 15 and five, respectively, at the three. Again, you very much lean South Carolina in that doubles point, although I do think Baylor has the sort of doubles, particularly if Bass is healthy. Bass, Mizuchi, uh, Paralek, and Belts, you can win those two with those two against anyone, regardless of who's playing at three. It's a fascinating region. What's your pick? I think I still have to stick. I don't I, I don't feel great like it's a super good lock. I have to stick with South Carolina. Because Florida State has been playing better doubles recently if they get through. But South Carolina at home is very good at doubles. Uh, You have to lean them in doubles. And now if you're going to have to take four singles matches from them, it'll be tough. It can be done. They've shown weakness. They have not been good really from three down, I I would say, coming the end of the season. I'm still going to stick with South Carolina at home. Josh Goffey doing the rain dance. Try to get this match indoors. You built the new indoor facility. Why not? I don't know. I mean, other than the fact that it's loud, they're not overly fast in there. Uh, I mean, if you're playing Florida State, just because we know Florida State doesn't care for indoors, maybe, but they're not super quick courts. So I'm not sure that it's a it's a big deal. 
All right, fair enough. Chris goes with South Carolina in bracket number two. Well, the next team in our upset alert region, team you know well, 15th seeded Mississippi State. Obviously, they stumble in their opening match of the SEC tournament. The reason I put them here, and I apologize for violating the privilege of our off-mic conversations, but I think you might have said it during the live show where you were like, hey, Middle Tennessee and Tulane are good. Like if Mississippi State's not healthy on the right day, those two teams could absolutely beat Mississippi State. That's one of your better first-round matches, period, of the opening day of play, and I'll get later on. We'll do predictions of the best first-round matches. Chris will offer you some thoughts on all of them. But Chris, your thoughts on this region, who you got getting through? Yeah, obviously State gets through Alabama State. And you mentioned that Tulane Middle Tennessee is one of the that and that and that Florida State Baylor that we just went through, two of the best first round matches uh, that we're going to see. And, and look, before we even talk about it, the first thing I'm going to say, because it went out on social media, the Tulane AD put it out. I mean, everybody yes. send your prayers, thoughts to Mark, Mark Morris, Burris, of course, the, the, yeah. the head coach at Tulane going through some uh, some health issues, if you will. Uh, and he was he's not making the trip with the team this weekend. So our thoughts with him. But uh, but yeah, this is I mean, look, and Mississippi State played both of these teams at home already this year. And uh, I know the Tulane was a 4-3 final, but I think it was 4-1 when they clinched, maybe. And and Middle Tennessee, they dropped the doubles point and then uh, and then swept pretty well. Uh, I don't remember the final score exactly, but they did well in uh, in singles there and put that away uh, fairly comfortably, I'll say. But but though those are two very good teams. And if they are not careful, one of them could jump up. And, you know, one of the things you have to look at is. They they went they bat out their first match of the SEC tournament when their number one player, uh, you know, went down with an injury in practice the day before the match on at site there. So they were they were hitting on Wednesday before their match Thursday. Memo goes down. I don't you know, how is how is he? He hasn't played obviously hasn't played a match since that was the last match of the season. So, you know, there are a lot of guys that we're going to have this concern with. Same kind of deal. We haven't seen Noah Schachter at AM in a while. We haven't seen Memo now in their last match. Those are concerns that could make it even more interesting. But given that they've already beaten both of these teams at home once this year, the fact that uh, we don't even know which team it's going to be, that is literally a 50-50 toss-up match. And those two teams have played a couple times this year already. It's going to be a great match on the on the other side. You'll I'll take Mississippi State to come out. Yeah, it's very good reasoning. I'll tell you what, again, this Middle Tennessee group has been through a lot. This Tulane group, I think everyone can come back but one next season. And so, you know, again, there is an urgency right now for Middle Tennessee, a fun region to watch. We'll have it on our broadcast. It's moved out to an obvious one, and this is going to be high on many people's lists. Columbia, again, one of two Ivy League hosts. You look for the 13th-seeded Lions. You feel like they're going to get through St. Francis, Brooklyn. You also feel like St. John's probably not going to be able to knock off Stanford. So just straight up, Columbia, Stanford, pick who you got, Chris, coming out of this region. Should the uh, Lions be on upset alert? Yeah, I don't. I, I hear. I'm not sure if I'm falling prey to the sexy pick or not. But I'm pray? going. Wait, wait, wait. Pray with the Lions. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm going to go with the sexy pick and I'm taking Stanford. Look, I don't think that I, I know this is all and they could, you know, I, I'll, I'll probably say this every year. If they screw me again, I'm out and then I'll pick them again next year. Uh, they do this to me every year. But 
Yeah, it's all dependent on the health of the, the, that top four, right? How many how many of Ferry, Baying, Banerjee, and Vasavaretti are we going to see? If we see all four, there is zero question that that's who I'm taking, and if all four are healthy. If we get three of the four and they're in, they're all three are good and in form, I think I still take them, which is why I'm going to lean, because I think we do see at least three of the four, if not all of them. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I think Columbia is vulnerable. I, I do. I do think they'll be a little vulnerable. And Stanford's Stanford. It's a tough trip all the way across the country. That's the only other part of it I, I that makes me hesitate. But I'm still. I'm going to stick with the Cardinal. Columbia is a deep group. A lot of guys who've been on campus now for a couple of years. I just don't know that they can battle up top as well as well, they need. Looks. I mean, Zhang is as good as any player in the country. Uh, obviously. Uh, you look for Westfall. Well, again, Banerjee was committed to Columbia, a fun little subplot in this yeah. region as well, obviously, as he's now a part of the Stanford roster. Stanford went to Harvard last year and knocked off an Ivy League team. So we've seen him do it before. I understand your logic. It's a really fun region. Let's get to the other Ivy League team. Number 11, Harvard. I think this might be the first one where you disagree with me having them in the category. I have Harvard here simply because, look, I saw Illinois play this past weekend. If Ozalens is healthy, that team's just good. Like, Konku hits the crap out of the ball. Ozalens can beat anyone on the right day. Match on the line, I'm not saying Hunter Heck's the number one guy I pick, but you, he has that 2021 Illinois DNA where it's just like that's a guy who knows what Illinois tennis is supposed to be at its best and he can produce those sorts of results. You know, again, I kind of like Petrov's game way more than I thought I would. Lefty's got some weapons. Harvard's really good. If I don't say this, Nick Ruskin will find me. I think Nick, if he could trade places in life with any person, he'd be like, yeah, I'd switch with Harris Walker. Like, that's fine. Like, he'd make the trade. Um you know, Von der Schulenberg obviously can play as well. And this is a deep group with a lot of talent. Again, I have them here more out of respect to Illinois than anything else. Chris, what's your pick? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. That I, you're right. I don't know that I'd call them on upset alert. I think you have three categories, right? You kind of had yeah. the, best you of had the, the upset alert, the best of the rest and the cruise control. I'm absolutely not saying they're on cruise control. I think I probably would have thrown them in the best of the rest bunch. Uh, I do think you're, I mean, Arizona State going to have a very difficult time trying to yeah. beat Illinois. I mean, but by the way, Casone versus Zollins, popcorn. Yeah, obviously you've got Casone. So anytime you've got Casone, you're going, hey, we got a good shot at, you know, getting one of our three doubles courts and taking a singles point right there. So now what what kind of help can I get? Um, I just don't think it's going to be enough. And I'm not so. Look, if, if you want a fun a fun match to watch, yeah, I'm with you. Go watch. Go watch Hunter Heck play. I love watch. Anytime you see somebody at, with his stature that can battle those guys up top, I mean, he's like my size, freak well, athlete, you know, so yeah. springy. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, uh, it's fun watching guys like that that you just feel like you want to pull for him as the underdog because he's not six three with a hundred and forty mile an hour serve hitting bombs, but. Uh, but I just think there's too much talent on that Harvard roster for for them to get through. It is possible. I would call it a best of the rest. You know, maybe a like a 
a 20, 25% shot in, in Illinois' way, but I, but I definitely have Harvard coming out of here. Why I have them here is because Illinois could take doubles. They could take one and two if Heck and Ozalans have their best day, and then they just have to find one more. And like, I've seen it happen. And so I think they have to be in this category. Uh, but again, Harvard's really good. And this is why I'm so happy I don't have to make predictions anymore. And I force you to do it. Only one upset pick thus far for Chris Hallioris. I have three more teams in this category. Eight I put on upset really? alert, Chris. I, I took Stanford and Utah. Oh, I forgot about Stanford. You're right. Two upsets thus far from Chris I'm done. Hallioris. That's it. Can't yeah, no. He's two for five. We got three more categories to go. Let's go to Arizona next. You look at this Arizona team, 14th overall seed. Again, the Shields Bowl, round number one, Clancy versus Luke. Luke, the head coach of Boise State, Clancy at Arizona. That's a fun subplot, brother coaching against brother. Um, Obviously, Oklahoma State, last team in DT, first time in the tournament. Shout out to the Cowboys. Taking on a Florida team that has the best record in all of college tennis, 14 and 13 is this Florida team. Yet they're unequivocally a top 25 team in the country. You never know where they're going to get their wins. Just about everyone's 500 this year, and yet they find their way to victories. It's always exciting. Every Arizona match, the energy they play with is compelling. Chris, do they belong in the region? Who you got emerging? Yeah, to me, it's another best of the rest. The only team here that could beat them is Florida. I just, I mean, and and Florida's dangerous, but I don't know what, I think the wild card to me there is Axel. Like, you know, they, they can win doubles. They've been great at doubles. So they could win the doubles point, but, but what, what are we going to get? I feel like we've seen, we've seen the axle that just goes down one and one or one and two to somebody very quickly. And then we've seen the axle turn around and play somebody that's, you know, you know, ranked very high that up on paper appears to be a significant favorite over him and play great. They're going to need the, the axle that does that on this day. Orlikowski, I don't I you if you saved the lineups, I don't know. I didn't look. I'm gonna assume Orlikowski was listed at like seven, and they're actually playing Nirendorn at six, or that's what they've listed. They can play anybody there because it's six. Um it's a road to me, that's a, a spot. Nirendorn's been good. He didn't certainly didn't start the first half of the season up there. He was basically a doubles only player playing with Togan Tokach. Tokach now not even submitted in the lineup in the transfer portal for all intent, uh, intents and purposes, he's done. And my guess is he's not even with the team at this point. Um, I just don't know where they get those points from. Sure. Braswell can win, but That's going to be a tough one. I think grant, I, I just don't see how they get, you know, they have to win doubles. Can they get those other points? I'm not sure. I think Arizona is going to be able to get out of there. Uh, and I'm the SEC guy, right? But hmm. I think it's a tough one for Florida. Yeah, all right. Completely fair. Again, the other way, the synopsis of that, the easy bailout would have just been, it's really freaking hard to beat Arizona in Arizona. Uh, ask all the teams who lost there this season about how difficult it is to do that. All right, the last two, Chris, are two creative ones, but potentially the two highest upside regions of the weekend if everyone plays their best. Let's start with the upset we've already seen happen. Number eight, Tennessee is not the team they were in January and February. But Wake Forest beat them earlier this season. Now, that match was in Winston-Salem. But again, at least it's something we've seen. Now, Wake's got a tricky Memphis team in match number one. 
you know, Wake, for what it's worth, does have Amelios Ifstathiu capable of beating Johannes Monday at the top spot, although that becomes a lot harder to do in Knoxville. Do they belong in the category? Who do you have emerging? Yeah, it's I, I would I would have normally say, yeah, I'd put him in the best of the rest. But because of what happened, as you pointed out earlier this year, you probably have to put him in that upset alert. I don't see it happening. But absolutely. That, I mean, there's going to be some revenge on the mind. Look, obviously, it was when Tennessee had not turned things around yet. It was in Winston-Salem. It was indoors. I mean, every, you know, Tennessee's better in Knoxville. They're better outdoors. They're better now than they were three months ago. Everything about it is a, is a change. I think we'll see a hundred, you know, the team's 180 degree turn. I think the result's going to be 180 degree turn, but that's why they play the match. Right. Uh, I, I just don't see Wake Forest coming into Knoxville and beating them outdoors. If there's anything I could do, It would be to move Tennessee into the Kentucky spot. It would be to move Kentucky into the Tennessee spot. And it would be to flip Virginia and Georgia just for color purposes. Because Texas and and Tennessee, like, that's a waste of orange. You only get orange twice. And we put them in the same quarter. Uh, It's just a little grievance I have, just to throw that out there for color purposes. And there's a lot of work to get there before we'd even see that. Yeah, this is one of the yeah if you were on the committee, Ohio Columbus never would have ended up with Texas Tech, Louisville, and Ohio State. I yeah, mean, that's, that's a that's a tragedy. That's way too much red in one spot, yeah, or, uh, or, or scarlet, as Gary from Columbus yeah, said, exactly. commented back. Crime. Look, if everyone plays their best, this could be the best second round match of the entire weekend. Um, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, uh, an informed Maroney, an informed Tachi. This is a. This is a spicy match. Score? 4-1 Tennessee. All right, let's move over then to our final team on upset alert. And again, I'm getting creative here. Georgia has lost once in the past two months, 4-3 to Kentucky. They had multiple match points on multiple courts. The only reason they're here is because do I think NC State and Oklahoma are capable of playing two elite matches over the course of a weekend? and just shocking the Bulldogs with, again, elite, nothing that the Bulldogs do wrong. NC State and Oklahoma just play that well. Yeah, I think they could be that good for a single given day. And again, you're inclined more to say NC State than Oklahoma, who was so good through the start of the regular season in conference play, even if they sort of limped through the finish line. Any team that has Sifo's Monsi at three, I'm just interested in. And obviously that's what Oklahoma has. Does Georgia belong in this region, Chris? Give me your prediction for who emerges. Yeah, I mean, look, I think this is probably of the top eight seeds. This is definitely the sexiest upset to pick. The problem, and not even necessarily. It's not the sexiest, it's the boldest. It's like, if you want to stand out, pick Georgia losing. Yeah, and, and it's not because, even to me, that it's NC State or Oklahoma. It's just because even though Georgia's managed to find a way to win all of the matches that we thought were, wow, they could lose here, they could lose here. They run the SEC. But they've been so good at home this year. And, and yeah, and, and I think that's the deciding part that makes me say, yeah, if you're on that edge, that's gonna that's got to talk you off the, off the ledge base when you start thinking, 
there are going to be 3,000 fans yeah. in the stands for that match, okay? And, like, are they going to lose in the first two rounds of the tournament two years in a row? No chance. Yeah. And so – but the t- but the team right you're like ah they still have all these spots where they could be vulnerable i just don't see it happening the other thing that make okay so then i take yeah happening two years in a row happening in athens with the fans they're going to have there and now the problem is i'm with you i would want to lean nc state but look nc state if they were at full health i would absolutely be on the this is going to be a blockbuster match bandwagon but like we haven't seen Rosens in forever. Uh, I, you know, he's, they've had so many problems getting guys healthy that, and it's not just been one guy. I mean, it's been a, it's been a character, a cast of characters and they've played extremely well through that, but now trying to step that up to, Hey, let's go beat Oklahoma. And then let's try to turn around and, and beat Georgia. I just don't see that with uh, with a lineup that's not going to be 100% full strength. So score? I still think it gets very interesting. I'll go 4-2 Georgia. All right. So in my eight upset alerts, Chris only has two host seeds being knocked off. UNC getting knocked off by Utah. He has Columbia getting knocked off by Stanford. Those are, I think, the eight most interesting regions. Now, again, we're going to run you through the other eight. We'll go a little bit faster through the rest of these. Let's start with the best of the rest. I have Kentucky as my first in the best of the rest category. Love the first round match between Northwestern and UCLA, a matchup Northwestern won at Texas in the NCAA first round back in 2021. Northwestern also played Kentucky pretty tight. You were there, Chris. You saw Foreman give Draxel some issues. You saw that match in person. Your thoughts on this region? Yeah. And we'll go quicker through these. I think it it definitely belongs to be invested the rest. Kentucky should win. Northwestern ought to get by UCLA, but that's no guarantee. And absolutely, Northwestern is a very dangerous team. Look, we saw them push Michigan this weekend. If you can push Michigan, you can push anybody. They're dangerous. They, but they're that team that's always dangerous and has never found a way to get over the hump. I don't think that changes. Kentucky comes out. Score? 4-1. That's why they have to be best of the rest, not cruise control. Because anything that's not just an easy, oh, 4-0, and if they're lucky, 4-1, where you have to really think about it, you belong in best of the rest. We did a lot of Michigan chatter earlier, so we'll do this quickly. Michigan, heavy favorites in round number one. They take on Toledo. LSU, shout out to Danny Bryan. Tigers get in. You're number one at the helm. A lot of new pieces there. They gelled quickly. They take on a really frisky Cal team. Obviously, Coach Quinta has the Bears rocking and rolling. Indoors, outdoors, always a question in May in Ann Arbor, though the weather looks pretty decent, at least the report right now. Chris, give me your call. Who gets through? What are the scores? Yeah, Michigan gets through this pretty comfortably. But I think this is the LSU Cal match is another one that's kind of sneaky in that one of the better first round matchups. I think some people are probably going to sell LSU a little short. They are they can be a dangerous team. They probably need the doubles point to to pose too much of a threat to Cal. But that's going to be a sneaky good match. No, neither one of these two teams is deep enough to push Michigan. Michigan comes out. But both of those teams are deep enough to give Michigan a good test, particularly if it's outdoors. And again, that first round match good enough. It has to be in best of the rest. How about Duke? And why is Duke in this region? 12th seed, shout out to Ramsey Smith, ACC coach of the year. Again, best Duke season in over half a decade. 
They host UNCW round one. They'll play the winner of Auburn Cornell round two. Can Auburn do it, Chris? Like it's the last gasp for this group. That's why they're in best of the rest. Maybe they find something against a relative, you know, again, Duke hasn't been in this position in a while. Now they made a living cruising over teams like Auburn in the ACC regular season. This should be maybe in cruise control. But talk to me quickly. Your th- I mean, take your time. Do what you got to do. Your thoughts yeah, on you, this region. You you can't put it in cruise control just because the fact that Auburn sh- is dangerous. But look, I mean, Duke is uh, Duke's been great. <laughs> Auburn's been 180 degrees from that recently. They they are not. They were the team that you know they were one of the one of the sexy picks last year at wake forest to pull the upset i even picked them to pull that upset they didn't do it uh but and it's a team we follow pretty closely talk to them a lot uh and it would be just like them now to have just fin- look they finished abysmal i mean it was horrible down the stretch for them they they've limped their way into this ncaa tournament and it would probably be just like them now to come out and now they're ready to go and, and shock us barring, you know, barring something just coming out of nowhere. No momentum is all with Duke all against Auburn. It even points to Auburn getting a battle from Cornell. I can't go there. Duke's got to come out of this region, but Auburn's definitely, they're the one team here that does have the talent to give Duke that battle score. I'll say 4-1 Duke. All right, last one that's in this region for the exact same reasoning. Number two, TCU. Do I think they're going to lose? No. They play UT Arlington round one, get the winner of A&M SMU, which is just, I mean, you've got 19 guys between the two rosters who could play across the country. You're like Uh, half of that short. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, again, if A&M's ever going to come alive, why not right now? Thoughts on this region? What's your final score? Uh, why not right now is because I don't know who the heck's playing. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, we haven't seen Noah Schachter. They've had a host of guys. The good thing that AM has going for them is, look, Noah Schachter was the clear number one on the team. Everybody else, to me, two through probably Throwing nine dark. or ten, Exactly. Give the dart to the monkey, let him throw it at the dartboard and play however they want. It's like the old stock picking game. You're going to do better than 80% of the mutual fund managers then by doing that. Same thing here. You could, you could out coach, you know, coach Denton and coach O'Shea by throwing darts at two through 10 probably. So I do think Schachter's a big key. They have other injuries on the team. Don't know who's healthy and who's not. They can overcome those. They need Noah Schachter. I just don't, because we haven't, he didn't get to play. I mean, those were huge matches, right, in the SEC tournament, and we didn't see him, uh, and we and we didn't see him prior to that either. So the week before that doesn't make me feel great about his prospects. TCU has to roll out of this region comfortably. I think, to me, that just makes the A&M SMU match a very, very intriguing one. That could be a great match. I've... Look, uh, Kumar transferred from AM to SMU, clinched against them once. I don't even remember whether that was this year or last year. Boy, would that be something for him to have that opportunity in the NCAA tournament? I'd love to see that match again. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a great match, but TCU comes out of here, no problem. 
All right, there it is, folks. Well, then let's go through the cruise controls and we will cruise through them. Number one, Texas. Again, is it in doubt? Probably not. They hope Corpus Christi, UTSA, Pepperdine. That's a fun first round match. We'll get to those first round matches in a second, Chris. So don't worry about your thoughts there for now. Give me one thing you're watching for from Texas this weekend. Uh, what is? How does Waldy look? And who who is playing six and how well? I mean, I'm assuming it's Aramilli, but let's see. All right. You 4-0. Do they drop a point? Uh, oh, they could easily drop a point in the final. They roll the first round 4-0, and they could drop a point in that second match for sure. All right. Let's move over to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Third overall seed for Ohio State anti-Tucker. Uh, obviously undefeated in Columbus this season. They host ETSU, Louisville, Texas Tech. One thing you're watching for, and again, scores. Uh, 8-0 Ohio State. I'm watching for the total time of the two matches. Four and a half hours, I'll say. Uh, I mean, look, they're going to roll. Louisville and Texas. No, actually, that is the be- the best part to me. The Louisville-Texas Tech. Uh, Scott Colson posted it first I, that, I, that I saw, I think, when I saw it. First thing I thought about when I saw the, the draw, he posted it. It's the Parker Wynn revenge. Parker Wynn went from Louisville uh, down to Texas Tech. Unfortunately, Rex no longer there. So it's not much of a revenge match, but that's going to be a good matchup. I That's what I'm looking for because Ohio State's rolling whoever they play. All right. I like that. Uh, again, best case scenario for the Buckeyes. Get wins from Anthrop and Bernard all weekend long. Number five, who's? undefeated since start of March roll through another conference play undefeated. They get Navy VCU Ole Miss. One thing you're watching for scores for me. Yeah. Nobody is challenging Virginia here. Um, I, I like what I'm, I'm watching for a potential VCU upset here. Honestly, that's, that's what I want to see is can they, you know, can they put the challenge up against the power five team they've got with the Bertamons they've uh, they've got some, some, players on this team that could make it very interesting but in the end uh i virginia's not losing probably a point if they do it's going to be a doubles point uh in the second match and and that's it all right well then our final region 10th seeded usc trojans again had san diego beaten pepperdine maybe this goes into best of the rest but you look for the seven uh 10th seeded trojans they host idaho san diego shout out uc santa barbara uh scores what are you looking for uh the only thing i'm looking for in this region well two things and i'm not sure it's going to you know matter uh, certainly not till the second match is what does the usc doubles look like but the one thing i want to see oliver tarvet versus steph that's the match i want to see all right i like to hear it trojans drop a point or no uh (laughs) yeah as bad as doubles has been they drop one somewhere sure all right there you go well folks those are your predictions Two upsets, according to Chris Helios, of the 16 host seeds. That said, still one more wave of predictions to come. Chris, I'm going to give you the match straight up. You just tell me the prediction. These are my best first-round matches of the opening weekend. You tell me who you got. Baylor, Florida State. Florida State in the uh, the revenge match. NC State, Oklahoma. I'm going to go. This is really a toss-up. I don't even know who's playing for each team, but I'll take NC State. UTSA Pepperdine. Pepperdine, for sure. They're looking good right now. Northwestern UCLA. Northwestern. Illinois, Arizona State. Illinois. Middle Tennessee, Tulane. Another toss-up. I'm going with the minor upset here, probably, and I'm taking Tulane. All right. Wake Forest, Memphis. 
uh, Wake Forest. Auburn Cornell. That could get tricky the way Auburn's finished down the stretch, but you're not getting me off my off the Tigers right now. So I'll take Auburn. Cal LSU. Gosh, I want to take my SEC team. I just don't know if they're quite deep enough. I'm going with the Bears. We'll take Cal. Oh, the seduction of Chris Quinta. A&M SMU. I'm going. Oh, I hate to do this because I love the A&M guys. I just so many questions for me uh, about them right now. And you've got 19 options on the other side of the net. I'm going to I'm going to call an upset here and take SMU. Louisville, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Utah, Old Dominion. Utah. And Florida, Oklahoma State. Florida. All right. I love to hear it, Chris Halliores. Those folks are our thoughts on the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Now, one last thing I want to talk with you, Chris, or two last, I suppose, before we go. Notable lineup switches. Maloney up to two for the Michigan singles. You know Tocants, as you mentioned. Finn Bass at four for Baylor. Mitsui still at four for Tennessee. That means Bicknell at three. Boulay back at one for Ohio State. None of those feel as significant as Forbes at three, Tangilla at four. Like pretty, pretty, pretty standard in my That's, opinion. That, that, there's no way Forbes is staying at three, right? Uh, you missed Jay's diatribe on this yesterday, Chris. It was, <laughs> yeah, I didn't it watch, was but pronounced. It can't pos- It can't possibly stand. Just yeah, they're paying the three hundred bucks now. Yeah, that's funny. Well, any men's side stuff stand out, or that's really it? No, nah, that those those were the ones that it, that I that caught my attention. Yeah. All right. Well, then, folks, with that said, opening weekend of the NCAA tournament framed for you again. If you want to hear what's going on in the D1 women's action, check out the show I did with John Parsons yesterday. We'll have coverage of 23 of the 32 regions on our Crack Rackets broadcast Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Also, if you want to get in on the action, I don't know what prizes we're offering yet. But we will have prizes for all of you. And I saw over 100 men's entries already, over 35, 36, over 40. Now, Chris, will you double check as I continue this rant? But shout out to Chris Halioris. Put together a system for all of us to compete in a bracket challenge. You do it for March Madness. You should do it for May as well. I told my younger brother if he doesn't win it, like that is a disappointment to the family because he talks a big game nowadays. And look – I am not going to be involved in it because, again, I can't be biased. I can't have people figuring out my burner. Did you like – I did a test run for Chris. Did you like Silence Do Good? Did you yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you'd smile. So, um, some, some of the some of the entries cracked me up. So we got right now there's 144 on the men's side. Is that more than last year? Uh, not quite. We're very – we're getting close. And 144 on the opening day. Yeah, it's 60 on the on the women's side. But what I will say is, look, and the way I set it up, you have to go, everybody, if you're if you've stuck around with us this long, you go fill out a bracket entry, you get an email, you absolutely have to click the link in the email to register because I don't have sign-ins on the website. So the only way I can do is send you a, a link unique to you so that I don't get some spammer just auto-submitting a thousand entries into the into the pool. Uh, that's all it's done. You click that. There are over 50 entries out there right now that have people have submitted, but haven't clicked the link yet to verify. So we're well on our way to a, a, a couple hundred on the men's side and hopefully over a hundred on the women's side. So I did like the names as well. A lot of them were really funny. There were a lot of Michigan tennis jokes in the men's side. Like I saw Seymour's bracket. 
I yeah, saw, I, I, I did saw see Fenton the gets hot. I laughed at that. Uh, obviously, a lot of jokes at my expense, which I always appreciate. Uh, Patrick Maloney is a college tennis legend is in there now. Uh, that's that's the leading candidate to be Nick Ruskins. I uh, mean, we'll, we'll check the email. You can't that. help but laugh at Ty that could also, by the way, though. Be, uh, yeah, but at least that guy, Ty Tucker, made a title, picked Ohio State to win. So respect <laughs> the Maloney could also be a Maloney brother. Like I, I was I told Fenty, like, if your dad doesn't win this competition, I will also be disappointed. Um, I think Easton. Ethan's the defending champion, right? He won the men's last year. I forget he, he who did. won the women's, but need a hundred entries for both the men and the women. Um, ideally, if we can get over 500 men's entries, I wish we could like, again, Chris and I are not going to be participating because we're going to be broadcasting. Can we find a way to get like, well, let's get, let's get this straight. I'm not a sellout. I still participated even though I broadcast. No, but uh, what I'm saying is like, well, we, yeah, we can't things. win. I just want to get like a GoFundMe where everyone who participates puts in $5 and we give it to the winner. Because like if we get enough people, that is a substantial pot. And now it's really fun. And we can't just generate cash prizes like ESPN and CBS can. So it's got to be a GoFundMe, folks. Yeah, I wish I knew the legality of being able to do that. I, I well, that's exactly why we can't do it because yeah. we got broadcasts to do, Chris Hallioris. <laughs> and so no screwing around. But, you know, again, on the message boards, I'm sure you guys can do that off mic if you desire. That said, participate in the bracket challenge, collegetennisranks.com. Submit the bracket. Click on the email link. You will be entered. It's going to be a lot of fun. I was so thrilled to see the reception right away. And shout out, as always, to you, Chris, for taking the time to do it. I'm a you know, b- before we go, and there's probably no way he's still with us. Nathan, well, before you go, before you go, because I, that should be the final thing. I want you to know that 2022 me, honestly, 2023 me is about to do it as well. But 2022 me would have complimented me for badgering you into making the bracket challenge. But yeah. 2023 me isn't going to give me credit. He's just going to give it straight to you, Chris, because I didn't even ask this year. You just sent a text and you're like, yo, it's ready. Will you guys go test it, please? I'm like, oh yeah, Chris did that. That's sick. Uh, so shout out to you. Final words, answer Nate's question. Yeah. Yeah. So Nathan, if you're still with us, you would ask the question. I'll read it off the chat here. Uh, could you explain the selection process for getting in versus getting in on record, not getting in under 500, et cetera, even ranking cutoff? Look, to make it pretty simple, the website, collegetennisranks.com, shows it explains the ranking formula. The NCAA goes effect basically by the ITA rankings. They just go one down the rankings. And the only thing they do at that point are apply a couple criteria. One is uh, you know, there's on the men's side, 29 on the women's 31 automatic births. The next best of uh, teams after that, get all the at-large bids uh, I, outside those conference winners. And you have to have a 500 record against division one opponents. That's a requirement. So if you're sub 500 against division one opponents, you're not even eligible. Otherwise you're eligible based on ranking. And the last thing the NCAA does is they apply and you can see the uh, the rankings. If you click the little arrows next to teams, they will swap teams that are back-to-back based on some criteria, which are head-to-head, who's higher in the rankings, record against common opponents, and top 50 wins. That's explained a little. I need to add a little more explanation on the site for that. It shows you the results, though. We were spot on, 32 for 32 on all the seeds from the men's and women's side, as well as calling the Arizona State flip over Washington in the final spot in the tournament for the rankings. 
Uh, so it was, but it is straight by the rankings, then apply the NCAA flip uh, criteria, if you will. And at that point, they pretty much run right down the list. And that's how you end up with the bracket. Humble brag, 32 for 32. Did you like my dab as you said it? I was like, let's, let's at least dance on him a little bit. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Shout out yeah, I didn't Chris. even get to go out and say say that. I, th- I And I'll be honest, I thought I yeah, was 32. Yeah, but Colette said it. I know. I thought I was 32 for 32, and I never validated it to be sure. And then I saw Colette's tweet, pray, thank, thank you, Colette, who told me that I was 32 for 32. So now I know it's true. Yeah, it was, it was again, remarkably impressive. And... We gamed the traffic dying this month by incorporating the bracket challenge, Chris. So there will at least be a little more college tennis ranks. Yeah, the cliff the cliff is going to last for another two weeks now. Exactly. And again, if you're looking for how college tennis players are doing in the pros, collegetennisranks.com, always a fantastic asset to turn to. With all of that said, folks, we'll see you in 48 hours for the start of the 2023 NCAA tournament. Excuse me, 36 hours for the start. 37 36 hours, 47 minutes. 10 a.m. Friday. Yeah. Uh, Eastern. So so 35 hours, 47 minutes, excuse me, for the start of the 2023 Division I College Tennis Tournament. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who makes all of our content possible here at Crack Racket. Shout-out to the support we get from our friends at Turna and LS, and shout-out, of course, to my dear friend, Chris Helios, who helps me steer the ship each and every week with all that said for the fantastic. Chris Haliors, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner and LS. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all in a day and a half. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.